Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're going to get right into the Word of God this morning. We're talking about the wrath of God. I know it's a very popular subject. It's the wrath of God. But let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I think you will see that it's a popular subject. At least we should be aware of it so that we know all about it so that we can avoid it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul made this declaration. You can see it in the book of Acts. He said, I am free from the blood of all men. Think about that. I am free from the blood of all men. Why was he free? Because I failed not to preach and teach the whole counsel of God. I didn't just preach and teach about love, faith, mercy, and you know, all the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ, I preached about everything, including the wrath of God. Look at verse 18. Those two verses are very popular, but look at verse 18. For the wrath of God, he goes right into it, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Notice those two words, ungodliness and unrighteousness. Ungodliness is talking about a relationship. In other words, they have no relationship with God. Unrighteousness is talking about conduct and and, uh, behavior. So their conduct and their behavior is as one who does not have a relationship with God. And so the wrath of God is revealed and we see it in people's lives. Is what he's talking about. It's not in your notes, but I wrote this out based on the culture that we're living in right now, the time we're living in right now. I thought, let me read this and notice this. I'm reading it. I'm not in any way making it up. It is the Word of God. So let's read these verses from Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 32, from the NIV, New International Version of the Bible. I think I'm going to read it. (laughs) We'll try that one more time. Let's see. Well, we're trying to find that. Let's do this. If a person doesn't understand the wrath of God, then our understanding of God is limited. It's not complete. It's not perfect. See, our God is a God of justice and judgment, as well as a God of love, mercy, and forgiveness. Don't you love God's love, mercy, and forgiveness? But is he not also a God of justice and judgment? Absolutely. So that is something we have to understand. It's important for us to understand that aspect, you know, of what God's all about. Well, 
this subject, like I said, is not popular as some of the other subjects, but it's one of the major subjects of all the Bible. To be honest with you, I know we're talking about Palm Sunday today. Do you know that when Jesus first came to the earth, the very first thing that he did in his public ministry was cleanse the temple? Do you know the last thing he did when he came in on Palm Sunday was cleanse the temple? That was a prelude, you could say, to the wrath of God. He was manifesting the wrath of God, and we'll see that in just a moment. But let's read these verses. Now, he's talking about wrath, Paul is, and he says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, notice this. What's it there for? Because of what he just said, God gave them over in the sinful desires. We just lost that. Of their hearts to sexual Iniquity for the degrading of their bodies in, uh, with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is, who is forever praised. Amen. Okay, we got through that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but anyhow. Did you read all that? Yes. See, our culture today, everybody wants to be politically correct. But nobody wants to be biblically correct. Do you see that? If you love someone, you don't let them go to hell. If you love someone, you want to lead them to God's grace and his Salvation that comes by virtue of Jesus Christ. So you see, it's important that we understand the wrath of God. Because no matter who you are, you have to escape it. And if we don't escape it, we'll suffer it. And so people in the world today are dying every single day. And they're being lost. We need to tell them. What is wrath? The wrath of God? If you define the wrath of God, it is his just... <coughs> response to evil it's a measured response to evil it's a controlled response as well see God's wrath is not like man's wrath man's wrath you could say we react have you ever seen someone I saw this not too long ago get out of a car run in front of you and kick the door in the front of the car in front of you and kick it in it's called road rage See, man's wrath can be petty, unpredictable, uncontrolled. A man gets so angry that he just flies off the handle and does something like that. I also saw recently on the news where someone did the same thing, but only it wasn't kicking the door in. He got a gun out and killed the person. Some of you are shaking your heads. You hear the same thing. What is that? That's not a response. That's a reaction. Got so angry at that moment, they had to do something so awful to get even for that person who did something like what? It was petty. Did they cut you off? You know, did they, whatever, that they did in the car. Who knows? But that's petty. 
But you see, God's righteousness is promoted through his wrath. Look at James 1.20. The wrath of man does not promote or work the righteousness of God. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God, but the wrath of God works righteousness in a person's life. When we understand the wrath of God, a person will want to walk with God, will want to serve God. His is a response. It is not a reaction. If God ever reacted immediately like human beings do, where would any of us be? Because he's a consuming fire. Immediately, everybody would be zapped and gone if he reacted and didn't respond. Before we look at some of the characteristics or some of the uh, aspects of God's wrath, look at some of these verses about the wrath of God. Very important. In John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 36, these are the words of our Lord. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. He that believes not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God... You see that word abideth? It means remains on him. It remains on him. Now, wait a minute. We're not talking about you say, I believe in Jesus or I know Jesus. I believe in Jesus, about Jesus for all those 24 years like I'm talking to you about. But you see, if I didn't get born again, then the wrath of God is still remaining on me. When I get up in the morning, the wrath of God is remaining on me. When I get ready for work, the wrath of God is still remaining on me. When I drive down the highway, the wrath of God is still remaining on me. And when I get off to the workplace or school, wherever you're going, the wrath of God is still remaining on me. When I get off work or school and I come back home, the wrath of God is still remaining on me. You don't feel it. It's there, though. And many don't know it because they've never been told about it. But the wrath of God is still there. They come home, they have dinner. Maybe you get a few chores done and finally get back to bed. And guess what? The wrath of God is still remaining on them. If you haven't been born again, then the wrath of God is on you. No matter who you are. It's all equal. If you're living in a flesh body, then it's on you if you haven't been born again. Look at the next verse I want to point out in Romans chapter 2. Keep that thought in mind that the, that the uh, wrath of God is on a person who's not been born again. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Did you get that? We can store up wrath. It can be stored up like you could treasure up for yourself things in heaven. You can store up wrath. In other words, the wrath of God is being stored up as a person lives his life in stubbornness and rejects the saving grace of God. It just gets stored up and there's more and more and more and more and more as we head towards that final day of judgment. Can you see that? Okay. So here's a non-believer. The wrath of God is on him. He doesn't even know it. But he's heading in a direction where the fullness of the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon this person. You know, Jesus talked about this when he talked about the rich man and Lazarus. He talked about two men that really lived. One, when he died, went to a place of comfort, Lazarus. And the other one, when he died, he went to a place of torment. Right? So here we have someone who's in comfort and someone who's in torment. And Jesus didn't take time to really talk much about the person who was in a place of comfort. But he did talk a little bit about the person who was in a place of torment. Talks about how he had brothers on the earth. Talks about how he was concerned about them. Talks about he couldn't stand the fact that he couldn't 
He, he just couldn't get relief from the pain that he was in. And he went on and on and on and on about that. Why? Because the wrath of God is a real thing. If you recall a few weeks back when I told you about the Hillsong worship leader that defected, that walked away from Christ, walked away from God. And he said the major reason why he did was because I can't see how a loving God would send anybody to a place of eternal suffering. Well, you see, his understanding of God then was limited. He didn't understand that God is a God of justice and judgment as well as love, mercy, and forgiveness. And he had a revelation of this wrath of God, understood the wrath of God, about the wrath of God. He would have known. God didn't send anybody. God doesn't send anybody to a place of eternal suffering. They do. God sends no one there. They go there on their own because of their life choices and decisions. That's why. Look at the next one. Revelation 6. And this is so important to all of us in these last days that we're living in. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks and fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Whose wrath is it? Wrath of the Lamb. For that great day of their wrath has come and who is able to survive? So we see the wrath of God is being poured out in this time, this period of called the tribulation. Really, it's a time of God's wrath. This is not the time that the devil prevails. This is the wrath of God that's being poured out during this last seven years. What we call tribulation. Look at the next two verses in Revelation 15, 1, 16, 1. New Living Translation. Look at what it said. Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing whose wrath? God's wrath. But did you notice the other verse said his wrath will be brought to completion? There was a coming a time when the wrath of God will be brought to completion and no more, praise God. But not right now. So right now, if you're a non-believer, you're under the wrath of God. And you may not even realize you're under the wrath of God, but you'll suffer the wrath of God at some point unless you get out from beneath the wrath of God. Remember, it's still up there over your head. Now, I had to pull this one out. My mathematical mind just went crazy on me. Look at Revelation 8 and verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, this is the seventh seal, the opening of the scrolls that pour out the wrath of God, there was silence throughout heaven for about a half an hour. Did you get that? Does the scripture teach us one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day? How many hours in a day? 24. Okay. So if you divide 24 into a thousand, what do you get? 41,666. I'll help you out. <laughs> years. So one year then could be equivalent to 41,000. Uh, one hour can be 41,666 years. Divide that in two. What do you get? 30 minutes. 21 years, 833 days. 20 years, almost 21 years. So if there was silence in heaven for the space of a half an hour, it was like this. For half an hour, for 21 years, 
what was about to be poured out upon the earth was so bad. All of heaven stood quiet for 21 years, for half an hour. Ooh, how bad could it be? Worse than COVID? I think so. A little bit worse than COVID. No, the Bible says it's like nothing we've ever even seen before. It's called the wrath of God and of the Lamb that will be unleashed in full measure as a right response to evil. Now, let's get to the good part. Facts about the wrath of God. Number one, it can be avoided. I, be I thought I better start there. I better start right. I'll lose everybody. I better start right there. It can be avoided. Did you know that? Look in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. And this is from the Amplified, yeah, Amplified Bible. You will notice that if you go to Bible Gateway, you'll have, uh, it'll say AMP like that and AMPC. The AMPC, which is what this translation really is, is the, is the classic version of the Amplified Bible. But if you go to the Amplified like that, which is just the new version, there's a footnote there, which I'll read in just a moment. But let's read the verse first. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. Therefore, since we are now justified, acquitted, made righteous and brought into right relationship with God by Christ's blood, how much more certain is it that we shall be saved by him from the indignation and wrath of God? Did you get that? Because of the blood of Jesus, no matter who you are, there's one way of escape. There's one way to avoid it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's like this. I got up in the morning and the wrath of God was on me. I went through the day and the wrath of God was on me. And I went to a Wednesday night service where someone told me about Jesus. And the wrath of God was on me. Then they said, you must be born again. And I ran up to the altar to give my heart to Jesus. And I gave my heart to Jesus. And when I gave my heart to Jesus, the wrath of God was no longer on me. Hallelujah. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. I didn't know it was the wrath of God. I didn't know I was under it. But man, when that burden lifted from off my soul, hallelujah, joy unspeakable in me. You say, well, where did it go? I am so glad you asked that question. But for that, let, let's read this. I wrote this out so you can see it. Under point eight, the wrath of God in this Bible gateway footnote with the definite article in Greek, anticipates the outpouring of God's wrath on rebellious sinners in the tribulation. You don't have to read that verse again. It's just repeated it, but that's where it's from. That's how it was written there in the footnote. Now, let's look at these two verses in Psalm 88, verse 7, and also 16, and we'll, we'll show you where the wrath of God went. The wrath of God 
lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all your waves. Selah. Verse 16, I think it is. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me, thy terrors have cut me off. Well, I'm going to read John Gill's commentary in those two verses. First one, verse 7, it says this. By the, but the wrath of God did really lie with all the effects of it upon Christ as the surety of his people when he was made sin and a curse for them. Verse 16, the Messiah was cut off from the presence of God in a judicial way. The whole of divine wrath in all its fierceness passed over him. So here I am. I'm at that Wednesday night service. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. And the wrath was removed from me. Really? In actuality, it was already on Jesus. I just didn't acknowledge it. And the moment I acknowledged it, guess what? It became a reality to me. But we're talking about the cross. We're talking about Easter, the resurrection. We're talking about Palm Sunday. When Jesus went in and turned over the money tables, the tables of money changers and all that, and just drove them out, that was once again a prelude to the wrath of God being poured out. He held it in for a long period of time. He gave them three and a half years to get it right. And they couldn't get it right even though they saw his signs, wonders, and miracles. And in his last week here upon this earth, when he went back there again, they were doing the same thing over again. Had no regard for him whatsoever. So he goes in and they said, I told you my father's house is a house of prayer. Purity, prayer, power, perfected praise. And you made it a den of thieves. That was just a foretaste of the wrath of God. And it was just as well. But on that tree, if we had a funnel big enough, what happened was this. God collected all of his wrath. And he poured it into this enormous funnel right over the cross of Jesus. When Jesus was so disfigured on that cross, it was because the wrath of God and its fierceness all fell on him. And everybody that's out there that's not saved, the wrath of God is looming over your life. And you will spend an eternity in the lake of fire if you don't get out from beneath the wrath of God. And the sad part about it is this. And if you recall, if we show this video of Bob Weiss, some time ago, when he had 23 minutes he spent in hell, and he talked about there were those that were down there that they were on crosses, and they were suffering the torch, torments and tortures of hell, fire and all that. And they were on crosses. And he said, they're on their crosses for themselves because they didn't accept that Christ was on a cross for them. The wrath of God came on Jesus. God's wrath had to be satisfied. Justice had to be served. He's a God of justice and judgment as well as love, mercy, and forgiveness. And he, Jesus, came. And in that last week as he goes through the town of Jerusalem and did all that he did and suffers and dies, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And it just fulfills all the prophecies about what the Messiah would do. And then finally at that moment when the wrath of God came into him, you and I can even in our natural Finite minds begin to understand when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can't even imagine it. 
The sin of the world, yes, and the wrath of God in its full fury enters him and ushers him into the realms of the abyss where he suffers God's wrath for all of us. Now you want to see why someone can go there? Because God sent Jesus there for them and they reject him. They don't want to have anything to do with him. Number two, God's wrath is reserved not for his saints, but for his enemies. Look at Nahum in chapter 1, verses 2 through 6, and this is from the NIV. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. Thank God. But great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel uh, wither, and the, and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, and the world, the world and all who live in it, who can withstand his indignation, who can endure his fierce anger? Or his wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. See, he's a God of wrath. And his wrath has got to be satisfied. His justice. And so he can't allow evil to continue to coexist. The righteous and the unrighteous have got to be separated, segregated, once and for all, forever. Right now, we're living in the same world. Right now, we're kind of growing together. But he said one day he'll separate the wheat from the chaff. And when he does, it's going to be final. The finality of it all is this. The lake of fire throughout eternity and the bliss of God's presence throughout eternity. Let's not candy coat it. It's heaven or hell. Where the worm dies not and the fire's never quenched once and for all. Now, is this what God wants? Absolutely not. He's not willing that one man should perish, but I'm going to show you something else. Look in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 22. You see, he poured out his wrath. Why? Because people wouldn't repent. Now look at here. In Naaman, he was talking about the time of Nineveh when Jonah went reluctantly, finally went, fishy character, always getting himself a well of a problem. Just, you know, he goes overboard. Always going overboard about everything. And that's Jonah. He didn't want to go because he knew that if the, he went and they, he preached to them, they would repent and God would forgive them. You know what that teaches us? Mercy always precedes judgment. No one has to be lost and suffer the wrath of God. But look at this. I saw a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none, no one. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I repaid by bringing it upon their own heads, says the Lord God. Did you notice it was their own way? They wanted their way. That's what we hear in our 
society today, our culture today. This is my way. My truth is my truth. Your truth might be your truth. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Nobody goes to the Father except by Him. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's His truth. Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. Amen. You see, as preachers, it's our responsibility. And as believers, it's our responsibility to let people know you are under the wrath of Almighty God. Nothing that you did, but it's what Adam did from the very beginning. He set the ball rolling. He set it all in motion. And everybody's under the wrath of God no matter what. And there's no way of escape whatsoever. Religion can't, uh, they say, deliver you. There's no possible way he could get you out from beneath the wrath of God. Politics can't do it. Good works can't do it. Laws can't do it. The Mosaic law can't do it. There's only one way it could be done. And that one way was a Savior came to the world. He rolled himself in flesh. He went to a cross. He suffered and died. And the wrath of God was poured out on him in full fury. And anyone who would accept him as Savior is out from beneath the wrath of Almighty God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, it teaches us to understand his righteous judgment. It teaches us that all evil one day will be punished. You know how many hearts are broken out there in the world today because someone took their child's life? Maybe it was a gun shooting. Maybe it was a drunk driver and all that and took a child's life. And there's so many, a multitude, a myriad of all these scenarios that are out there, right? Every act of unrighteousness is going to be punished for what they've done. God, wants, God says this, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, let me handle the problem. You just forgive and move on and let me handle the problem. But it also teaches us that we need to serve God with godly reverential fear. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. While we live our lives upon this earth, I know it's nice just to, you know, be able to think that everything, hey, just doesn't matter what you do, live the life the way you want you live. You know, it's anarchy. I'm a, I'm a law to myself. I'm a govern, I govern my own life and all that. That's what people want today. But you know, the thing about it is this. They want, they want that and they want you to agree with that and justify that. But you know what? You can't. These situations that have occurred recently, you know, they blame the Christians for it. The shootings... Of those six that got killed, they're blaming the Christians for that. Because we shouldn't be talking about the things we're talking about here today. But you know what? It's evil and they don't recognize it. It's the devil and they don't recognize it. They need help and they don't recognize it. We're trying to help them and they don't recognize it. We need to understand that. Hebrews 12 says it this way. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. You know what happened way back in the day when uh, the flood came? It was because people didn't respond uh, with repentance. They just absolutely didn't do it. And as a result, they provoked the wrath of God. Our next point is the provocation. Remember when they were out there in the wilderness and we were told in the Bible that it was the provocation, the time of the provocation? What's that talking about? When they provoked God. It's like poking the bear, right? They provoked God. Aren't you glad that he is slow?
to anger? Because you see, very easily, even believers can do that. But we're talking about people that are not saved. They don't know God. And they're under the wrath of God. And they're storing up for themselves even wrath. And it just collects and collects and collects. And one day when they're lost forever, they're in the lake of fire. And they're going to spend their eternity based on all the wrath of God that's upon them. Suffering it. Well, in the book of Exodus chapter 32, these verses make it very clear that if God reacted, everybody would be consumed. But because he responds in a proper way, with a right response, people are spared. And the Lord said to Moses, go get thee down for thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out, out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them. And I will make of thee a great nation. God is saying to Moses, leave me alone, buddy. I'm angry. I'm wrathful. Right now, I'm full of wrath. Look, if it was not for the Abrahamic covenant, and if it was not for Moses' prayer of intercession, they would have been zapped like that if God reacted to what they did. You've got to put yourself back there where this, when this happened and where, where it happened. He's up there on the mountain getting the laws. God wants to explain himself to these people. He gave them guidelines so that they could live their lives according to his governing. And what happens? They're down there making a molten calf. They're down there having a, a party, a big sinful party. They're now making a molten calf and saying, you're the God that brought us out of Egypt's bondage and all that. Are you kidding me? All the things that they saw God do for them, the ten plagues, every one of those plagues was an indictment against every god of the Egyptians. But more so, think about this. Pharaoh could have gotten off a lot cheaper if he just would have said the first time when he saw something happen, okay, I repent, I'm sorry, get out of here. But no, he wouldn't repent. So the wrath of God was poured out. The wrath of God was poured out through all ten plagues. And finally, they lost the, their firstborn son and firstborn uh, every male of uh, all their animals. You see, if they would have responded with the, the, the proper response, that wouldn't have happened. But they didn't. When it came to the flood, the same thing is true. When it came to this, the same thing is true. When it came to Sodom and Gomorrah, if they would have responded, they wouldn't have been under the wrath of God. God would have forgiven them. Nineveh was smart. They repented and they didn't incur the wrath of Almighty God. And he's a consuming fire. Remember that. And so because he's a consuming fire, all those that will be in the lake of fire will be consumed by that fire throughout eternity because the wrath of God is needlessly on them. They don't have to suffer that wrath. It's a needless thing. And we're trying to let people know that and we're being criticized for that. Now, finally, look at the, the last thing. God is slow to anger. And look at 2 Peter. He is slow to anger. He's not like human beings. You smack me, I'll smack you back real quick. No, do it in love. If you have to. <laughs> because it's a reaction. 
We don't take time to respond by, give me some time to think about it. Let me walk through this thing. Okay, like God does. Let's get a chance to get this. T- Can you imagine if the guy that we, he actually pulled right next to me, he got out of the car and I thought, what's he doing? And he walked in front of me in the car in front of me and he kicked the door in as hard as he could. Run right back into his car and took off. Would have been a whole lot better had he walked up there and just said, now, I don't think he meant to cut me off or anything like that. And just, uh, you know, but did you know you did that? Oh, I didn't realize I did that. I did that. Yeah, you did that. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. See, talk it through. But no, no, no. I'm just going to get out there. I'm going to kick his door in and then run. It's crazy. But that's a reaction. See, the response is a whole lot better. Second Peter chapter three. And we should all thank our God for this. Look at what it says. This is from the message translation. Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you. Holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Wow. Did you get that? God is giving us space and time. God is giving every non-believer in the world space and time to change. Because he doesn't want one person lost. It is not his will that one person perish and experience the wrath of God throughout eternity. God is not the one who is sending people to a lake of fire throughout eternity. This is a decision that people make that they will not respond to the goodness of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. And it's a choice that they make. And they have a right to do so. They want to live the way they want to live. They want to do what they want to do. They want to govern themselves and govern their lives. And actually, they want to come up with their own truths and their own laws. This is how I'm going to live my life because this is who I am. But we are responsible, like Paul, not to hold back anything. But to give the full counsel of God so the blood of others would not be upon us as well. One day, the door of mercy and grace will close. And then it's too late. So the conclusion is this. Every person is under the wrath of God unless you've made Christ the Lord of your life. And if you did, then the wrath of God fell on him for you. And as a result, you will not spend your eternity in a lake of fire. You will not incur the wrath of Almighty God. You will live in a place of eternal bliss throughout eternity where you can experience the fullness of the blessings that God has provided for you, that he said in his own word, your eye has never seen it, your ear has never heard it, you've never even visualized it in your heart, you can't even see it, but I've got something for you on the other side that is so enticing, that's so magnificent, that is so wonderful. If I showed it to you, you might come wanting it in, in a greedy fashion, but I want you to want it because you want my because you want me, he's saying, because you know the sacrifice I made for you to have it. You know the price I paid for you to experience it. I don't want another holiday to go by like Easter and we just come to church and it's just another one of those things that we do. Beloved, I want us to come with a revelation and an understanding that a Savior died on a cross for every single one of us. 
and he took upon himself the fullness and the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He took that wrath of God in the lowest bowels of the earth called the abyss, which is what Romans 10, 7 says. And in that place, he suffered this full wrath, all the wrath that God has. You know, God talked about how he just poured out his love for us. Well, now he's poured out his wrath on Jesus. And greater love has no man than this, that a man laid on his life and take the wrath of God for his friends. You see why anyone who doesn't accept Christ, that's their fate? Look what he did for them. And we can't be motivated to serve him, to walk with him. Wow. Palm Sunday was the beginning of the wrath of God being poured out. A precursor to it, you could say. For 4,000 years, he tolerated it and finally came and responded to it and said, get those animals out of my temple. Get them out. You money changers, get out of here. You're a bunch of thieves. You've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. I'm telling you, it's a house of purity, prayer, power, perfected praise. You don't merchandise the things of Almighty God. No. So get it out of here. You care for people. You love people. You provide for people. You help people. I came to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, set liberty to bruise, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The gospel, the good news is that. The acceptable year of the Lord. We got our jubilee back. Praise God. We got all our possessions back. Why? Because somebody paid the price and suffered the wrath of God for us. And no one else has to. Man, if you can't shout, you've missed a, missed a great time to shout right there. I'm telling you. Why is the wrath of God not on you anymore? Because it fell on him. You know what that should move me to do? Go to his word and find out, how do you want me to live my life? You want me to walk in love? Yeah, I do. You want me to live by faith? Yeah, I do. You want, to be, want me to be full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, and temperance? Yes, I do. You want me to love my wife as Christ loved the church? Yes, I do. You want me to honor my husband? Yes, I do. You want me to watch my children and train them up in the things? That, yes, I do. Why? Because I took the wrath of God for you. So that you and your children don't have to be there throughout eternity. Can we just stand before the Lord in awe?